Yes, indeed, there are more questions than answers. Like, why don't the youth drink from the fountain of smart? Hi, America. Hello, <laughs> world. My name is Adrian Lee, and I am your host. Welcome to the show, More Questions Than Answers, the only paranormal quiz show anywhere in the world. Each week, my guests and I will search the world's newspapers, websites, and TV shows just for you to bring you the very best in paranormal talk radio entertainment and enlightenment. We will then test each other's knowledge of the week's events of the mysterious, strange, supernatural, unusual, bizarre, and just plain weird. If you have just tuned in, especially to hear the show, then I admire your taste. If you have just tuned in by accident, then I admire your luck. I am huddled under my quilt with a large flashlight and a nice cup of tea with tonight's guests, somewhere in the barren wildernesses of the Midwest Plains, with the sound of my elderly mother snoring distantly from the room next door. So snuggle under your covers, turn out your lights and hold on tight. The rules are very simple. Points will be awarded randomly for being interesting or for making me laugh or shiver in horror. Extra points will be available for shock and awe value. To help me control my rowdy panel of recidivists and reprobates, I will employ what I have called the inappropriate bell. An example of this would be... The panel have no idea what's coming, and I have no idea what stories they have for tonight's show. So let me start by introducing tonight's guests. Firstly, the mysterious and effervescent Heather Morris. She has been a paranormal investigator for many years, with her own team called Hellhound Investigations and does all of her best work in the shadows. She is now one of the leading audio and EVP experts with the International Paranormal Society, and brings her knowledge and research skills to tonight's show. Heather started out with nothing, and still has most of it left. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Heather. <laughs> Hello. We also have with us the analytical and sceptical mind of Kim Gore. Kim is also a talented and valued member of the International Paranormal Society. Kim realised this week that it was bad luck to be superstitious. Welcome to the show, Kim. <laughs> Hello. Finally, on tonight's show, I wish to introduce the calm and unflappable Greg Gore. He is married to Kim, and we shall see if this is still the case after tonight's show. Greg is a paranormal investigator and tech expert. He owns and operates more cameras and cables than the BBC outside broadcast department. He is also our producer and sound mixer. Greg wants to see dyslexics all over the world untie. Welcome to the show, Greg. <laughs> have to think about yeah, that one. Series 2, episode 66, would you believe? 66 is a wondrous and amazing number. The historic US Route 66 was dubbed the Mother Road by the author John Steinbeck. 
I often call Interstate 94 the mother road when I'm stuck in traffic in Minneapolis. <laughs> if you get a chance, I love that book, by the way. John Steinbeck was dying. He knew he didn't have long to live. His wife let him go on a road trip throughout America in 1960, and his dog, his little poodle, was called Charlie. So he did this fabulous travel log of his tour throughout America. He's America in 1960 with Charlie, his dog. If you get a chance to read that, that is a fabulous fabulous book in star wars order 66 was a directive to clone troopers to kill the jedi stormtroopers playing monopoly of course is a game of clones <laughs> the international dialing code of 66 will put you through to thailand confucius same man who walks through airport security sideways is going to bangkok 66 <laughs> is the number of hot dogs eaten by world record holder joey chestnut in 15 minutes in the year 2007 a hot dog with nothing inside is of course a hollow weenie that's your favourite time of the year, isn't it? Halloween. Halloweeny. <laughs> a hot dog is, of course, part of a seven-course meal if you have it with a six-pack. Now, each week, <laughs> I like to read out the mailbag. I love receiving all your messages, all your wondrous letters. C.F. Elliott from Montreal, Canada, posted, I love this show. He then goes on to say, great show. You four are awesome especially Heather and Kim, because they are smoking hot, vivacious girls. And girls have boobs and boobs rock. So I think from now on, they should start every show on 10 points, especially since Adrian cheats with the point score. There was a lot to get through there, wasn't there? He <laughs> He's says, my new favourite fan. <laughs> he says vivacious, which I looked up in the dictionary for the sake of this show. It says attractively lively and animated. But I think he was getting confused with the word vacuous. But according to CF, <laughs> according to CF <laughs> Elliot, I shall start you on a fabulous 10 points. It's going to be short lived, isn't it? it? It could well be short lived, but don't let me say I don't give you anything. So Kim and Heather <laughs> are now on 10 points due to our listener in Canada. Christine in Connecticut says she really digs the show. I think that was in reference to your Hungarian gravedigger story last week. She goes on to say the use of the bell is only outdone by that of the Catholic Church. Can I add <laughs> schools and prisons to that list? Schools and prisons also use bells. So it's school, church, and then prison, which sounds like the linear lifetime narrative of some Catholic priests. <laughs> will be taken oh, no. off air. I, Sue, also from Canada, posted Heather should receive five points at the beginning of each show. I have no idea why. Apparently, you're now on 15. The check's in the mail. You're off to a flying star. <laughs> We're getting a lot of people from Canada listening to the show last week, apparently. And Kevin in England posted, thank you for the mention. Love the show. Mitchell from Oklahoma posted, I love the shows. They are very funny and fun to listen to them. Keep up the good work and thank you for posting them so we may listen for free. Mitchell in Oklahoma is absolutely right. You can listen for free if you visit soundcloud.com and search for mqta radio you will find our archives for the last three years and you can listen to those in the gym in the car at home doing the housework anytime 
you wish. We also have other platforms. We have iTunes. We have Stitcher. If you can't find our archives, then you've only got yourself to blame. We're also on Facebook. If you search for more questions and answers with Adrian Lee on Facebook, all of tonight's stories, all of the videos, all of the photographs and much much more will be on there for you. We have a YouTube site, More Questions and Answers, with Adrian Lee. And I have just posted three chapters, audio chapters, of my book, How to Be a Christian Psychic, what the Bible says about healers, mediums, and paranormal investigators. If you go onto YouTube and search for How to Be a Christian Psychic by Adrian Lee, there are three chapters for you to listen to. And again, free of charge, which is a wondrous and fabulous things we have a twitter account adrian underscore lee underscore tips t-i-p-s for the international paranormal society and if you're looking for a great summer read my book mysterious minnesota digging up the ghostly past at 13 haunted sites is now available i just want to go through some figures actually i love reading our mailbag and thank you to all of those people for writing to me this week we have 31,000 listeners on soundcloud alone that's people that have individually listened to each show of our archives 31,000 we have 84,000 followers on twitter so thank you for those people following us on there this is 190 countries accessing the show all around the world and i thought just for fun i'll actually list the top 10 countries that was listening to us just last week alone number one of course was the usa number two is britain and you'd probably expect that with my british heritage and background number three is canada and we read out a couple of letters from our canadian listeners just a short while ago there so thank you for that number four is australia coming in in fifth place the country that listened to us the most in fifth place was france would you believe we're gonna have to start being nice to the french no more jokes who knew such things i did live in paris for a while and the french like to crack jokes about the english and the english like to crack jokes about the french but we do love each other really number six is holland I have a love affair with Holland. That's a fabulous and amazing country. I like the Van Gogh Museum and the Rijksmuseum and Anne Frank and their fabulous countryside. Number seven is Germany. Again, I've worked in Germany, worked in Cologne for many years. That was amazing. Eight is Brazil. Nine is Japan. And number 10 is the first country I ever visited as a small child with my grandmother. And that is Belgium. Again, another wondrous, wondrous country. I love Bruges and brussels so thank you to all of those countries 190 those are the top 10 countries i must be nice to the french apparently they're in fifth place we need to start <laughs> being nice to the french i do want to mention this is episode 66 and we did 33 episodes in our first series so next week's show is episode 67 now what does that mean hundred that means we have done next week 100 episodes and i thought it would be fun if people would write to me on facebook and point out to me the funniest thing they think they've heard on the show what stands out for you what was the funniest thing you listened to or the one memorable moment the best story you heard or the best interaction or the funniest moment if you write to me on facebook i'm going to read out what people's best bits have been over the last hundred episodes and i will just read those out so if you say hi i'm from france comment à vous these are my favorite bits I will read that out. So if you want to do that for me, you can go onto Facebook, tell me your funniest or most interesting part of the show, and I shall read that out for you and mention your name on air when we get a chance to do that next week. Now, we did an investigation all weekend. 
Yeah, we did an investigation okay. on Friday night with the International Paranormal Society. We did an investigation on Saturday night. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure doing an investigation on a Friday night followed by a Saturday night is necessarily the way to go. Because come Sunday, my face was numb and I couldn't actually feel the skin on my body. <laughs> which isn't good news, is it? We were in Morton. Morton is in Renville County, which is in southwest Minnesota. Very famous, of course, for the Indian Uprising and the battles that took place in Birch Cooley in Morton. And we did an investigation at the schoolhouse there. There's a school, a high school. It was built in the 1920s. It is now derelict. It's in Morton. This was our Friday night investigation. Let me tell you, I've investigated some abandoned derelict buildings over the years, all over Europe, all over America. I have very rarely investigated a building that has been more derelict. The word dereliction was invented for this building. I've never seen so much paint peeling. I've never seen so much asbestos, so much masonry. Guano. Yep. Bat doings (laughs) everywhere. It really was. There wasn't a window in the building that hadn't been vandalized. This has been derelict since the 1980s. So imagine an abandoned school, a high school, and a very large one at that, sat there since the mid-80s with no attention, no one looking after Mm -mm. it, no electricity, no facilities. Mm -mm. One had to water the plants during the vigils if one wanted to relieve oneself. Outside the school, I might add, not in it. (laughs) But it was a state of dereliction. We were wearing dust masks and uh, there was nails and masonry and the worst kinds of... Boots. Yes, we had very thick-soled boots on. But we did get a lot of information, a lot of evidence come through. And Heather, you've got some EVPs and some interesting bits and pieces we're going to play now for you. So we investigated this school on the Friday night, Morton High School, abandoned for 25 years plus. And you're going to talk me through some of the things that you got on your investigation. So talk about where you were first. You went into the basement, didn't you? Actually, everything I'm going to play for you tonight was from the basement. And that's the only thing I've been able to get through. It was such a long weekend. Yes, it does take months and months to go through all the audio evidence and all the video evidence, of course. And we did take quite a big team with us. We had about 12, mm-hmm. 13 investigators there from all over the Midwest. Talk to me about what the basement looked like tell our listeners in graphic detail what the basement was like it was extremely damp there was lots of uh, water was coming in from the floor above the floor Uh, above by the way had grass growing on the carpet yeah and it was only the carpet that was holding the floor together that's right the floor had collapsed but the carpet was still nailed down so if you walked across the floor you could feel the carpet Boeing, because like a trampoline, it was only the carpet that was keeping you on the floor. Yes. If the carpet would have given way, you'd have got into the basement very quickly, wouldn't you? Yeah. And there was so much water coming in from the carpet that we couldn't occupy the one room because you'd get wet. That's all. That's what would happen. (laughs) I do want to emphasize the fact that when you do an investigation, it is vitally important that you do a walkthrough before the investigation in the daylight. Because this is dark. If I hadn't gone through there a couple of days beforehand in the daylight, I wouldn't have seen all the holes, the dangerous places, the floors collapsed. Don't go wandering around derelict and abandoned buildings in the dark without looking through it first because you'll end up falling through floors. I've investigated the soap factory. It's a derelict warehouse. The last warehouse on the banks of the mississippi in minneapolis i've investigated the holes of disused cargo freighters from the 1890s in ankle deep oil and water with rusting paint and dead animals so i've been in the most 
glamorous places of course but this was a particularly miserable basement so you got some fabulous yeah. electronic voice phenomena so what you're going to do is play some of these now for our listeners and we're going to talk our way through them so just set up the first one what was you asking what did you capture on this first one well uh there was another psychic on our team he was a guest kevin and uh, he was sensing someone called autumn and i was asking if there was an autumn there now i have to tell you all of these EVPs came from the ghost box. You're hearing a scanning. It's scanning yeah. AM frequencies and you're picking up words that are right, com- right. coming through. So these are actually responses to some of the questions. So the first one is actually, um, can I speak to Autumn? And this was the reply. And then I'll kind of tell you what it said. And we'll play it a couple more times. Now, that didn't last very long. So we're going to play that again for our listeners. But what did you think came through there just so they get an idea of what you're hearing? It basically was saying, don't answer it. So you asked a question. You said, is Autumn there? Yeah, is there and an what, Autumn here? What you're getting back is a disembodied voice through the ghost box then saying, don't answer it. Yeah, it was a male. A male voice. So mm-hmm. let's just hear that one more time. So talk to me now. We've got a second one lined up. We want to get through these quickly because we've got a lot to play you. And I want sure. you to hear all of these that are out there listening to this. So set up the second one. What did you ask in the second one? I was actually waiting for some sort of a reply um, from some other people that we had got psychically, like a Mitchell or a Benjamin. And there was a guy replying that said, I need a sec. So we're going to play this now, this EVP. And what you're listening for is a disembodied voice, a spirit saying, I need a sec. Right. So let's play that one more time. Again, you're listening for a male voice in response to your question saying, I need a sec. That is quite clear. You can hear him say that. And there was no one in the room that was discussing that at the time. So let's get on to the third one there, just for the sake of getting through as many of these as possible, because I want the listeners to understand the disembodied voices, the spirits that we're picking up and the evidence we're getting in terms of having a dialogue with the ghost. So what's the third one you've got? Well, I was actually explaining to whatever was there that the school was going to be knocked down. And so if they wanted to say anything to us, they needed to do it now. Something said, please, which actually comes over the ghost box. And then there's an EVP whisper over the ghost box that says, wait. So So you have two bits of evidence in the same soundbite. You have the shack hack, the ghost box saying, please. Which is pretty loud. Yep. And then what we're listening for after that is a whisper of an actual ghost talking to you, not through the equipment, actually there in the room now being picked up on your DVR that says, wait. So you're getting a mixture of the shack hack, the ghost box, plus the EVP, which is an amazing piece of evidence. So let's have a listen for that. That's very distinct, isn't it? You get the please, almost sounds like a child's voice on this one, and then you get the wait coming after that. That's a joy. Let's play that one more time because that's fantastic. And we have one more. We have a fourth one. This is very unusual. Uh. We're not necessarily saying (laughs) that this is paranormal. We're saying we don't know what it is. We've never heard this before. Can you just explain what the floor was like of the basement? What was it like down there? It was very derelict in the basement. The whole, and I mean the whole complete floor, was 
shattered glass bulbs. You yes. couldn't step anywhere without their, you stepping on some sort of glass or shuffling glass. Well, vandals had gone into this building at some point in the past and broken all the neon strip lighting that was all down there. So the floor is literally littered, as far as the eye can see, with that very fragile glass that comes yep. from a strip lamp, a strip light when you break it. So you, as you're walking over it, you're hearing all the crunching noises. You could not step anywhere in the basement. The point we're making is that it was almost like a trigger object. You can't walk anywhere in that basement without hearing a sound. So what you're going to play now, we're not saying this is necessarily paranormal, but we don't know what it is. So what did you pick up? What did you get? I think the predator was with us. You get, you've recorded, <laughs> that is true. You've recorded a sound on your DVR twice. And this happened all the way through the investigation, didn't it? It yes. happened the first time and it happened the second. Nothing's running around down there because it would be heard. You'd That's hear right. it. Yeah. So you got the sound of a predator coming through. It's predator. So we're going to play this. We're not necessarily suggesting this is paranormal. It sounds mechanical to me, but there's no electric in this entire building. It's all been cut off because it's been derelict since the 1980s. Yes. This sounds mechanical to me. If any of our listeners know what this noise is, I'd be very interested if you wrote to us on our Facebook wall and actually told us because you got quite scared about this. This is a very unusual noise and it's actually quite threatening in many respects. In a way, it was just it was bizarre because we were sitting in the dark, in the quiet, and you have this sound. The sound is back over here. Yeah. Can you make that sound really low? <laughs> what on earth is yep. that you have some weird and strange things happening in this country that was very loud and the interesting thing was the investigator said could you make that sound again and then the sound is made in the gap now i have to tell you we actually did go around because we didn't know it was making it we thought maybe an animal just as i'm sure the listeners do we went around with flashlights anything to try to get eye shine to try to find bugs because we knew where it was at because it was actually in between two of our investigators. And as soon as we turned the flashlights on, looked for the source, it was, it never happened again. The rest so let's of the just, vigil. let's just play that one more time so we can hear that again. The sound is back over here. Yeah. Can you make that sound really low? If anyone, if anyone knows what that is, you've actually gone online and I looked did. up bug noises. Like cicada, yeah. You have looked up and listened to various different bugs that you can find online and you've not found anything that matches no. up with that. Mm -mm. Is that a chipmunk? Is that a squirrel? They weren't a rustling around the It's a the squirrel with a semi-automatic weapon running around. <laughs> yeah. If anyone knows what that is outside of the paranormal, we'd love to know. So you can write to us on our Facebook site. Perhaps you can post that on more questions and answers that, yeah. and people can listen to that on there. What was interesting for me in that school is that I was in a classroom doing an investigation and via the ghost box, I had the name FOSS come through three or four times, FOSS, F-O-S-S. -S. And I had a conversation with this person on the ghost box. And I said, were you a teacher here? And she said, teacher. I said, did you teach, you know, in this classroom? And she said, fifth grade. And it turns out that was the fifth grade classroom i said what was your specialism what did you teach that was your specialist subject and she said 
English. And this is all very interesting. What I then discovered briefly at the Historical Society, and I need to spend some hours going through their files, is that there was a teacher called Mrs. Foss who actually worked there and was a fifth grade teacher. So I'm going to have to look into that and find some more details. The other interesting thing for me in the school, I don't know if people are aware of this, but if you have the iPhone 5 or the iPhone 6, you can get a small little camera that clips into the bottom of your iPhone and turns it into a thermal imaging camera. It's called a FLIR, F-L-I-R. And it was back in the day, you know, it would cost you three or $4,000 for the cheapest IR camera back in the day when I first started investigating. You can now get a little attachment, clips to the bottom of your iPhone, turns your iPhone into a thermal imaging camera. And I have some images looking back through the corridor in the darkness of what looks like a humanoid figure walking around in the darkness on the thermal imaging camera. So again, I thought that was very impressive, and that's an amazing gadget. You could waste your entire life wandering around, looking at the world for a thermal imaging camera, and it has filters. You can just look at the coldest spots, or you could just look at the hottest spots. You can filter out certain temperatures. This is an amazing tool. I find this remarkable. I'm now carrying a thermal imaging camera around in my pocket. It's solely, and it takes video footage. It takes pictures. It drinks the juice, I might add. You get you have to you have to plug it in and recharge it between each vigil. But that's amazing. I would recommend any paranormal investigator to look into getting one of those. Now, on Saturday, we're still in Morton. We're still in Renville County. And I have to give a big shout out to Nicole, who is the curator and the director of the Renville County Historical Society for letting us into these amazing buildings. On Saturday, we were joined by Kim and Greg with us tonight, plus our other investigators. And we investigated the museum. So the museum, in the grounds of the museum, they have a church, which is St. John's Church, fabulous church. They have an old log cabin that dates from 1869. They've actually built a machine shed around it to protect it. I think that's amazing. So we've got a chance to investigate a log cabin. There's not many places in Minnesota or the Midwest where you can investigate in there, and it dates from 1869. That's a very long time ago in terms of Minnesotan history. They also had a couple of old schoolhouses that date back to the 18th century so we had a lot to investigate there so again what did you find what was your most interesting part heather of the second night of investigating when we went round the museum and all the buildings they had actually mine was the cabin you like the cabin yes and i have quite a few evps that i'm sure i'll i'll have to play at some point and i'm looking to do that maybe next week for us but uh, I had a conversation actually on the Shack Hacker, the ghost box, with the same voice for probably a period of five minutes telling me about Indians and babies and somebody's protecting them. And it was it was crazy. Again, this area is very high in Native American activity. There was actually holding a powwow that very weekend at the Jackpot Junction Casino and on the reservation there mm-hmm. in Redwood County and Renville County nestling together there but of course the battle of birch coolie i previously mentioned was a battle that took place during the sioux uprising in 1862 the 2nd of september and it was the biggest loss of life in one battle for the u.s army i think renville county had more deaths in the sioux uprising than any other county in the whole of the midwest so there's a lot of activity in the school we investigated 
on the Friday night was actually called the Morton Indians. That was their logo. Mm -hmm. That was the name they called themselves. So it's no surprise to me that you'd get lots of Native American activity coming through. I actually did an investigation in that log cabin as well, and I had the ghost box on. And again, we'll pick these out and play these over the next few weeks. But I asked who was with us, and I got the name Nick. I said, you prefer being called Nick or Nicholas? And it said Nicholas twice in a row. So I've now got the guy's name. We're having a conversation. I said, how old are you? He said, 24. I said, can you tell me what year it is? He said, 1910. I said, are you married? He said, yes, sir. I then said, "Uh, what is your wife's name? And he said, Elizabeth. I said, what state were you born in? And he replied, Minnesota. We're having quite the conversation. This is a historian interviewing the dead to make notes for a history book, which is a joy. I said, are you a farmer? And he said, no. And I then asked who the president was. And, of course, we've had this before. The president between 1910 and 1914 was Taft, and he's already said it's 1910. And I said, who's the president? And he said Taft. So all this is matching up, and I am going to research and find out who this gentleman is. I then said, where is the best place to have contact with you? And he said, the machine shed. We was actually in a machine shed. They built the machine shed around the cabin to protect it. So I'm going to do a bit more research on him. I'm going to find out who he is. And uh, he will be appearing in a chapter of one of my books based on the mysterious Midwest and mysterious Minnesota. Now, Kim, you had an experience yourself, didn't you, in the uh, log cabin area? Tell me a <laughs> yes. little bit, a little bit about that. I was um, I set myself up on a chase lounge, an antique one that was sitting outside of the cabin, but within the machine shed. Yeah. And I had set my K2 up on the armrest of that old chase lounge and I was sitting in the middle of it. And I was probably a couple of feet to my back to the wall, and I suddenly heard during the vigil this noise from behind me, and I kind of jumped. It, it's like nobody should have been behind me. And I right away questioned Greg, who was inside the cabin and to my left, and asked him if he was the one who made the noise, and he's like, no. And at the same time that I was questioning him, my K2 from the armrest, um, it was pushed. Right. It fell down the slope of the armrest. Right. And ended up hitting my leg where I was sitting. When the vigil was completely done, we tried to, you know, reenact to debunk the K2 from falling and moved around as if scared, you know, kind of a jump type thing on that. You're trying to jolt it to get it to do that again. We could and I could not get it to fall off of there. And the K2 meter measures EMF activity. It's a device. I guess it's about six inches long and it's a box. It's gray and it has lights on it. It's a fairly heavy piece of kit. It's not light, is it? I mean, you know, it must weigh maybe half a pound, I think. It's not going to fall down on its own unless it's pushed. But it measures electrical magnetic fields. So that's very interesting that you had that poltergeist activity, that being pushed down the chaise lounge. I like the way you get to sit on an investigation in a chaise lounge. And, I, and I've got I've got an old metal chair. I've, I've got a fishing chair to sit in. There's Kim sat there with a glass of champagne doing the best paranormal investigating. Greg, is there anything you want to jump in and add to that? Yeah, there's a couple things. Um, first, when we did the walkthrough and we went into the area where that cabin was at, I walked in there and it was I had the weirdest feeling. And it was kind of fun throughout the night everybody that went in there was saying all these things that had happened and i had the feeling that it was going to happen before everything started i mean so what you're telling me is you're a tech guy 
that has now picked up some psychic skills through osmosis? Well, I don't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> He's still not committing himself, is he, to the psychic things? You but, are but, feeling it. But it was it. fun because every group had stuff happening to him there, whether it was sound or things moving. And that is true. It was very active it, in that particular it, barn. Yeah, when I was actually inside the cabin and Kim and Gloria were on the outside and Katie and I were inside. I was sitting, kind of sitting up on a metal chair and I got pushed forward on the chair. Well, you make, as if you and didn't it, want you sitting there, you mean, trying to push you out of the chair. Yeah, and it's not like I was leaning back. Sure. And, and it was at that point that the psychic said that we were underfoot. They were trying to get their work done. Okay, we were yep. getting in the way. Yes. Nicole at the Historical Society did say that that cabin at one point housed three families during one of the harsh winters back yeah, in the day on about the prairie. a 15 by 15 cabin. It was, yeah, and there's three families. <laughs> I'm amazed no one ended up killing each other, to be yeah. honest. But that was quite an amazing uh, investigation. We will talk about that a bit more over the coming I, weeks. One more, Greg, going on. First, one other thing that uh, we went into the church that was there, and we we kind of held a little church service and if anything was happening sure. there, it was, you're looking everybody to, would be at ease. You're looking to stir things yeah. up. Right. right. And uh, it was kind of fun. Katie was picking up psychically that there was somebody in there, and I was looking with the flur. Yes. I, I mean, I got mine too soon because it, was, it wasn't one of the cheaper ones on the floor. No, it was an, you've got but, a very expensive flur. But it tells, you know, the temperatures to the tenth of a degree, too. Right. And it, when I first went where she was talking, I didn't see anything. I went back, scanned across it, and then there was, it was dark figures. You saw humanoid figures. He was able on to the, catch that, yes. On the yeah. thermal and imaging pictures camera. In, and Katie had had it psychically, and I didn't see it at first. Now, Katie started investigating with us and was very skeptical of the equipment. Because if you're a psychic, you're thinking, I don't want anything to do with the equipment. And if you're a tech guy, it's all about the equipment and you don't want anything to do with the psychic. We're now in a position where Greg claims he's now got some psychic skills as a tech guy. And Katie, who's a psychic, is saying, I love the equipment because it's backing up (laughs) everything I'm seeing and everything I'm hearing and giving me confirmation of that. But if people wish to see the haunted buildings and the fabulous history that is in Malton, that's Renville County, they're very welcoming. They'll give you a guided tour. I recommend that you look that up and make sure you get out there on a road trip because they're doing some amazing things there with history. We have a show bursting and dying to get out. I will start with the round of ghosts and hauntings. And I might add that Kim's on 10 for having fantastic boobies and Heather's on 15 because she has fantastic boobies and people in Canada also wanted to have five points. Yay! The house which sparked the Amityville horror book and movies Following the brutal murders of six family members, he's up for sale at eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars. One hundred and eight Ocean Avenue, a five-bedroom house on Long Island, New York, became infamous after Ronald DeFeo, twenty-three, killed his parents and four siblings in the property in nineteen seventy-four. All of the victims were found face down in their respective beds inside the home in what became one of the U.S.'s most notorious murders. Broker Jerry O'Neill said, I'm very familiar with the house. A friend of mine from high school, his family owned it. I spent a lot of time in this house as a kid. It's a beautiful home. A family that moved into the home later reported paranormal activities in the house, including inexplicable sounds and chilling colds descending on the property. The alleged experiences triggered the book, The Amateurville Horror, written by Jay Anson and a number of films. 
The publicity led a subsequent owner of the house to officially change the address from 112 Ocean Avenue to 108 Ocean Avenue. (laughs) Well, it's just as well that's not been made public then, because that would be terrible. (laughs) But Mr O'Neill dismissed notions of any spooky goings-on at the infamous property. He added local people refer to this story not as the Amityville horror, but as the Amityville hoax. The only horror about this house was that a family was murdered. The only horror about this house. Just the six cold-blooded grisly murders then. Nothing else. Other than the fact that it's got lovely views and off-road parking. Would you buy that house and live in that house, Heather Morris? Yes. You would. You wouldn't have a problem with that. Kim, would you live there? No, I would not. So that's one yes and one no. Greg, would that be a property? I don't think I would. You don't think? I don't think I would. Because I would get sick and tired of people knocking on the door and constantly standing outside taking photographs and trying to do investigations in my backyard. I would make it into a haunted B&B. There's money to be made there. That's there not is. actually a bad idea, is I it? I know, right? That would be a fabulous idea. I shall give myself the first points of the evening. I am now on to Heather Morris. What have you got for me in the round of Ghosts and Hauntings? I have a mysterious cemetery located in a parking lot. You'll never guess where. It's going to be in Florida. No, it's in Walmart. It's in Walmart in Florida. <laughs> Which might be in Florida. <laughs> it could yes. be in Florida. Do we know where the Walmart is? I don't remember. There's a grave. There's, There's a whole graveyard. Clean up in aisle three. So yes. you could be walking down the aisle, minding your own business. You're looking at all of the detergents and the dish soap, and suddenly you're in a hole. It's in the parking lot, actually. Oh, the mm, parking lot. It's yeah. even worse. If you drive past the Walmart on Booth Road in Warner Robins, you might be surprised to find a cemetery in the parking lot. Demetrius King was startled when he found out. Get out of here. For real? Is that cemetery for real? What what accent is that? (laughs) I have no idea. You have no idea. (laughs) You're just making stuff up. Stop. Are you serious? What again? What, is that what, a cemetery on Walmart parking lot? I'm going Welsh or Pakistani. I can't. It's, it's either Welsh or Pakistani. Well, anyway, that was the reaction I got from many shoppers when they realized that it was a cemetery in the Welsh part of town. Yes, yes. The Pakistani quarter. He's actually trying to figure out how Walmart got the okay to build around the cemetery they didn't in the get, parking they lot. They didn't get the okay. They just went ahead and did I it. It's a did. big global corporation and they just went and did it, didn't they? Well, the city was aware because it was actually shown on the plats. And all the so. city governors have now built themselves lovely brand new cars and have swimming pools in their yard. Mysteriously, yes. they've all got yes. now brand new cars. Well, there is actually no city ordinance banning owners to build around the graveyard and Walmart Real Estate Business Trust was able to develop the store about 10 years ago. I'm aware that developers brought in a firm from out of state to do some ground penetrating radar testing, and they actually discovered some human remains were actually on site. How old were these human remains? Very old, apparently. Um, there's no tombstones, and it still leaves to question who lies beneath the ground. They weren't able to dig up the secret. Ha, ha, ha. I see what you've done there. Yeah, you That's do. That's terrible. That's minus 15 for you. They actually think. <laughs> <laughs> what? Hold on. <laughs> How'd that happen? Uh, they're actually thinking that it might have been an old slave cemetery from the Civil War days with wooden caskets and also wooden headstones that have actually deteriorated into okay. nothing. In Britain, we so. have 
the law that says it's the Human Tissue Act. You can't disrupt or interfere with a grave that's less than 100 years old. It's the Human Tissue Act. And that obviously is more than 100 years old now. So they just went ahead and tarmacked over it, didn't they? It's either that or people think it's a weird roundabout in Walmart parking <laughs> lot. People need to go out and investigate with a K2 meter, a chaise lounge, and sit there in the car park doing a paranormal investigation. Yep. Do you think you get much peace and quiet in the car park of Walmart with all Probably your paranormal not. equipment out? Probably not. Unfortunately, you're on zero at the moment, which I is don't uh, believe it. the good Lord giveth <laughs> and the good Lord taketh away. I have a story that says this unbelievable video shows the moment a reckless man leapt from a speeding car in a cemetery all for a $30 bet. The clip posted on Twitter shows the man land just feet away from the large gravestones. According to the Daily Record, the man known as Tommy received just $30 for his daredevil tactics. Wearing just shorts and a long-sleeved t-shirt, the man edges towards and through the car door as friends can be heard shouting, come on, come on, in a broad Scottish accent, which Heather's going to do in a moment, the daredevil can then be heard asking the driver of the car to slow down. Are we going to get a slow down in Scottish? Slow down. Oh, my. <laughs> My my apologies, my apologies to the nation of Scotland. That was that was someone from Oklahoma that's just taken some acid. But within seconds, he launches himself out and smacks his head on the grass beside the path. His friends then erupt into laughter as they shout, "He's out! He's out! He's out!" That's Australian. You're not getting away with that. As in unconscious, I suspect. As the car reverses back, the camera shows the Scot, thought to be in his mid-twenties, lying spread-eagled, just inches away from the headstones. A second video shows him lying on the ground for a few seconds before rising to sing Lou Reed's hit, Perfect Day. One friend can be heard, I thought he was dead. Well, he was in the right place, wasn't he? Yes. While another winds him up by saying, we forgot to press play. You'll have to do it all again. Putting putting the fun in funeral. (laughs) Messing around. If you want to see some Scotsman messing around in a graveyard, then that's there for you. On our Facebook site, more questions (laughs) than answers with Adrian Lee. I heard a Scotsman was on his deathbed when his wife knelt tenderly beside his bed and said have you got a last wish darling he said yes can i have some of your boiled ham that you're cooking and she said oh no she said that's for the funeral (laughs) we run into the round that is ufos and cryptozoology it's green men and hairy beasties legendary physicist stephen hawkins has explained his theories on black holes claiming they are portals to another universe undermining previous research that claims whatever falls into a black hole is never seen again the 74 year old argues they are safer than first thought how do they know this how do they know this no idea no idea in the latest scientific paper published in physical review letters hawking has now claimed you could travel through a black hole and survive although he admits you'd probably come out the other side in a different universe and there'd be no going back. According to Hawking and fellow theorists Andrew Strominger of Harvard and Malcolm Perry of Cambridge University, the answer lies in black holes, zero-energy particles known as soft hair, which store information on the black hole's horizon, the invisible boundary that is the point of no return. Heather, have you got soft hair on the black hole horizon? 
Yes. I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> I believe you can get that waxed. Hawking and his fellow researchers seem to think these hairs could solve the central paradox of black holes, backing up the basic laws of the universe, which states that anything that has ever existed is preserved via its information. The British physicist has been arguing his case on black holes for decades. Last year, he made a speech at Harvard University, claiming they aren't the eternal prisons they were once thought, due to them having a back door. Heather. No. <laughs> Things can only get out of a black hole, both from the outside and possibly through another universe, he said. If you feel you are trapped in a black hole, don't give up. There is a way out. He added the existence of alternative histories with black holes suggests this might be possible. The hole would need to be large and it would need to be rotating to have a passage to another universe. No. But you couldn't come back <laughs> to our universe. Who says you're not psychic? Hawking has made other crazy claims in the past when it comes to black holes. Last year, he said we could power the whole of human society. If only we could somehow harness the energy of a mountain-sized black hole. However, he admitted that if we failed to control it, it could sink into the middle of the earth and begin feasting on human beings, our home planet, and eventually the entire solar system. Wow. So that's a no, then. I think we'll stick with windmills. Why can't the dead use dark matter to get around as well? I wonder if when you see shadow figures, it's because they're using portals and dark matter to get to other parts of the universe and other dimensions. Because they're shadow figures, no light is coming through a portal. No light is coming through a black hole, is it? Light cannot penetrate through dark matter and black holes. So if shadow figures don't have any light on them, there's no colour. They're just dark, aren't they? So I'm now wondering if shadow figures, when we see them running around in investigations, are beings that are using dark matter and black holes to get around because the light can't travel with them. Does that all make sense? Mm -hmm. Heather, what have you got for me tonight in the round of UFOs and cryptozoology? Mars One. Mars One. Yes, and it's not a candy bar. Snickers Two. <laughs> oh, you see, we were right there. Kit Kat Three. Uh, actually, the Mars One applicants are now whittled down to only 100 people. It's like the Big Brother house, isn't it, really? Yep. These are people that are going to go on a trip to Mars. One-way trip. Can I, can I volunteer people? I thought you were going to volunteer yourself. <laughs> no, that's not going to happen. But I have a list of people that I'd want to see go on a trip to Mars. We can start working our way through it. The final 100 candidates for the controversial Mars One mission are set to undergo more rigorous tests. The private spacecraft project, which aims to set up a colony on Mars within the next decade, I'll believe that when I see it, continues to remain something of an enigma in the field of space exploration. They actually started with over 200,000 people. And they've narrowed it down. Well, they're going to go through some lengthy testing, and the next step will actually be to whittle the remaining candidates down to just 40, of which only 24 will ultimately be picked for the actual mission. Now, they're hoping that uh, this testing only takes place over five days, and it will be the first time all candidates will meet in person and demonstrate their capabilities as a team, so they better like each other. Um, whether any of the remaining candidates will ever actually get to go to Mars, however, remains a point of ongoing contention, given how little information there is about how this will actually be achieved. I find the first thing they need to do is make sure there's no Aries, Taurus or Scorpios on that rocket. That's the first thing they need to do. If there's an Aries, 
a Taurus or a Scorpio, there'll be fights. They they have to get rid of them straight off the bat. They should be looking at their star charts and astrological signs. Well, somebody made an actually a pretty good point by saying they haven't even built a base on the moon. Yes. But they want to build one on Mars within the next 10 years. So good luck. And the moon only takes like three or four days to get to. Yeah. You think they're starting to jump. That seems remarkable. Where would they get their water from? How are they surviving? Where's their food? They're going to have to take their water with them, aren't they? I don't know. There are indeed more questions than answers. Kim, what have you got tonight in the round of UFOs and cryptozoology? Still on Mars. Eyes roll over new skull on Mars photograph. A new skull on Mars. Mm-hmm. What happened to the old skull? Skull. Oh, a skull. That American Midwest accent gets me every time. <laughs> I'm thinking, you know, there's kids going to school. We're looking to build a base there. There's kids going to school. That'd be fantastic. I bet there's people <laughs> listening to this show as we speak thinking, I'd like to send my kids to a school on Mars. Can you imagine getting there after two and a half years and realising you've forgotten your dinner money? I'm going to have to go back I've left me dinner money at home. Homework? Oh, no, I've left my homework on the kitchen table. The I'll see you it. in five years' time. I've got to get back and get it. This is unbelievable. If there's no atmosphere and the bell rings, no one's going to hear it. If it's the vacuum of space and the school bell rings to bring the kids in from the playground, <laughs> no one's going to hear it. They're going to be out there playing in the playground. The teachers are in the classroom. They can't hear the bell. It's the vacuum of space. Stop hitting me. What's wrong with you? Too much Mountain Dew. I have had a lot of Mountain Dew. That is true. (laughs) This is, I can't deny it. The alleged skeletal artifact appeared following an enhancement of an image from the Curiosity rover. The latest in a long line of strange objects spotted on the surface of the red planet by eagle-eyed anomaly hunters. This Sasquatch skull, which was picked up in a recent photograph sent back by NASA's Mars rover, has spent far too long being manipulated in Photoshop to be taken seriously. So now there's a Sasquatch? That's what it's called. There's a Sasquatch skull. A Sasquatch skull. There's hairy kids now going to school. With billowing squatch hair. They're going to be taking our jobs, marrying our women. Before you know where you are, you won't be able to get around Walmart without... It could just be the French women. Oh, my. Okay, cut that out. There, that French <laughs> listeners have gone down from five to eight. That's Kim Gore, by the way, in cut Mountain Lake. <laughs> oh, no. We're getting into a lot of trouble, and we will be sued if we don't continue. What have you got there? <laughs> the skull was presented recently in a new video by YouTube channel Paranormal Crucible, which has become somewhat infamous for spotting dubious objects on the surface of Mars. I'd like to see a show that's called Sasquatch Skull. I think that would be a fabulous show, wouldn't it? (laughs) I like the idea. Wouldn't it be fantastic if you had a small Sasquatch child trying to integrate into a normal skull and then being bullied in the corridor and the things they have to put up with during a daily basis? I'd watch that. Sasquatch Skull. There's a new kid. Before you go into the classroom, the teacher's standing. Right, we've got a new kid. He's coming in. It's his first day. Don't be mean to him. You're going to have to play with him. Okay. He's come all the way from the woods. So I'm going to introduce him. And he comes. His name's Colin. And the kids are like, he's hairy. 
Already he's getting get bullied, right? The girls are plaiting his hair in the playground and the boys are jealous because he's getting all the girls' Breeding attention. Breeding for us Americans. There you go. I'm glad you're translating. Rosetta Stone, American. Thank you for that. <laughs> I have one last story in the round of UFOs and cryptozoology. This footage shows the diamond-shaped UFO which spooked a mum and a daughter in the sky over a busy road. Appearing to show an unidentified craft, the footage taken in Melbourne, Australia, has been shared online. Taken on Tuesday, the mum and daughter were driving when they saw the diamond in the sky lucy in the sky with diamonds according to ufo experts who analyze the footage and share their findings online the filmmakers said the craft didn't look like anything man-made it was made by squirrels no doubt it wasn't a plane obviously wasn't a drone wasn't a kite or anything like that because they said it was extremely windy out and this thing was moving at its own pace before disappearing No, you wouldn't have a kite out on a windy day, would you? That would be ridiculous. The video shows the alien craft going behind some trees before reappearing and then going behind a wall. It's looking for somewhere to have a wee, isn't it? The woman who captured the footage said it was making a really odd sound. Would a UFO of advanced extraterrestrial technology be making a loud sound? I just like the idea that there's two aliens married set next to one another in the ufo that's making an odd sound and he's saying i told you not to drive with the oil light on and she said but it looks pretty i like the red flashing lights it reminds me of christmas this is what's happening (laughs) we move into the round of the strange and the bizarre because nothing we've had so far has been strange or bizarre this is the round where the stories from around the world don't fit into any other category but are too good not to read out heather what have you got for me tonight in the round of the strange and the bizarre squirrel it's a squirrel. It's a squirrel. They've made their own UFOs. They're running around in the basement doing impressions of Predator. I like the idea that two squirrels are sat talking to one another and saying, can you make that clicking sound again? They're really scared. And the other one's going, and then you're running around going, oh, no, Predator's in here. It's squirrels throwing their voices. <laughs> friendly squirrels searches park. There's no such thing as a friendly squirrel. They're little sods. They'll come at you. They've got teeth and claws. They'll have your Switch wallet blades. before you can look at them. Switchblades and tattoos yeah. has been my experience. Well, they were actually searching park or stroller for food. So now they're invading strollers. <laughs> they're looking under babies. <laughs> this Don't worry, folks. This only happened in Warsaw in Poland. Oh, so it's okay for the rest of the world, yeah. but the Poles are getting a rough trot at the moment. <laughs> That's right. By squirrels being turning over their children. Well, visitors to a Warsaw Poland park captured video of an unusually friendly squirrel getting up close to humans and searching their stroller for snacks. He just wanted a snack. Polish hungry squirrels. Yes, the video posted to YouTube shows the brave squirrel posing for cell phone pictures before searching a family stroller. It was posing for self. It's done and made a selfie. Yes, this right. is me with the baby buggy. This is me with the food. This is me mugging them. Look at look at their face as I'm taking a purse off of her. The squirrel actually crawls under the stroller before climbing inside in an apparent search for food. So I hope the person didn't leave the baby in there because that would be quite... I like the idea that the person pushing the baby buggy around is short-sighted and now the squirrel's got a bonnet on and a pacifier and people are going, crikey, you've got an ugly baby. Look how hairy it is. I've never seen a grey one before. It's remarkable. (laughs) The squirrel's getting breastfed at home. She's picking it up and breastfeeding it. 
That squirrel was having the run of its life. It was living in the trees, miserable existence, cold, no food, and now it's at home watching TV and being breastfed. I think there's a Warner Brothers cartoon like that. I'm sure I've seen it. Yes, I remember the breastfed squirrel. (laughs) Well, the animal doesn't appear to be fearful of humans and even allows witnesses to feed it from their hands. The squirrels in Poland are apparently much more friendly than their counterparts from New York City. Yes. Yes. There's a message there Italians, somewhere. It's, Italian squirrels. Molto bene. Italian squirrels in a New York accent. Yeah, something okay. like that. I'm not going to try doing the impression of an Italian squirrel from New York. That would be ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> but it a, would be funny. <laughs> yes, it's not going to happen. Skeletal winged bodies of fairies, werewolves and aliens were said to have been found in the basement of an old house in London. The macabre collection features what appears to be a range of mythical beasts in cases and jars in gruesome poses. Fairies seen with their flesh rotted away and their wings now to display boards are joined by sinister-looking contorted alien bodies and hairy humanoid remains. The hoard also features sketches of Jack the Ripper's victims, Catherine Eddowes and Elizabeth Stride, along with alleged human hearts and organs preserved in jars. To think I just have jam and Halloween decorations in my basement. (laughs) Partly because most of all that stuff's actually in the house. The gruesome (laughs) exhibits were said to have been the collection of Thomas Theodore Merrilyn, who was described as a rich aristocrat and biologist in the 1800s. A blog post about the supposed finds claims in 1960 in London at the time of clearing the site for construction of a new residential neighbourhood the long abandoned mansion belonging to Thomas Theodore Merrilyn was set for demolition. In the basement of the home, builders have discovered several thousand small wooden boxes tightly sealed. Imagine their surprise when they began to find inside the bodies of strange mythical creatures which seem to have been living only in fairy tales. The shocking artifacts were revealed by artist Alex C.F., who claimed Marilyn's diaries refer to all sorts of advanced ideas that didn't exist at the time, such as quantum physics and the multiverse theory and the use of soap and clean underwear. His diaries also allegedly contain scientific explanations for many of the mythical-looking specimens in his collection. But the story is actually well-crafted as a narrative and pieced together by the artist. Commenting on the pieces, one online commentator called James Campbell wrote, Did this guy raid the props department of Hammer Films? I mean, come on, people. If specimens like this had actually been found in the British Museum, I would have dedicated an entire wing to it. Another called Trey Weight added, obviously fake, but still really, really cool. I'd love to have this stuff. It is indeed cool if you wish to see dead fairies now to display boards. If you wish to see all manner of weird and strange mythical beasts, you need to go to our Facebook site. More questions and answers with Adrian Lee, where that fantastic story is there for you to look at. Heather Morris, you make. Yes. You make dead fairies, don't you? Yes. You have a very strange and bizarre collection of pastimes, don't you? Yes. So what do you do? You've got skeletal fairies. Yes, and they have little hair and little what's-its and bow ties. It's the what's-its I'm interested in. They have wings. Yes. But you have made a collection of dead fairies. Where can people see such wondrous things? Well, very shortly, they'll be able to see them on Etsy. Etsy, Mm -hmm. where you're going to make money by selling... Dead fairies. Dead fairies. It's catching. You scrape them off the windshield, don't you, as you're driving along? Yes. 
They're fabulous. You squash them in books? Mm-hmm. Okay. All to look forward to then, I'm guessing. We are now into our final round. That is called Not For Your Mother. It's the round we can't read out on air for fear of being removed or getting a large fine. If your mother is of a nervous disposition or easily offended, she needs to be removed. If there's any small children running around, you need to shuffle them off to bed with cookies and milk. A hospital worker was found naked in a chair after allegedly masturbating himself to death. That can happen. Well, if you've got to go, you were worried, weren't you? You look concerned. Look, the blood's drained from her face. (laughs) The unnamed man's body was discovered in an isolated area of a New York City hospital. It is believed the man was fatally overcome by a heart attack while pleasuring himself to a porn video on a laptop. According to local reports, it happened at the North Central Bronx Hospital where someone stumbled upon the body slumped in a chair with the screen nearby playing adult scenes. Imagine opening your eyes and then seeing St. Peter standing in front of you. (laughs) That would be embarrassing, wouldn't it? Oops, sorry. That's terrible. Am I coming in or am I going downstairs? Police say it was clear he had been pleasuring himself at the time of death because they now won't be able to screw the coffin lid down Uh. sources report a colleague found the 48 year old man on tuesday morning at the hospital he was naked and appeared to be pleasuring himself at the time of death the sources said police said no foul play was suspected no foul play there's a man in a hospital pleasuring himself to death his hands were a blur i tell you and the hospital has not made a comment go on um, the person that found him found a stiff, huh? Oh, my. It was a tugathon of doom. <laughs> it was the cold, bony hands of death. He was choking himself to death, pulling a sickie. What's that? A septic yank. <laughs> uh. Tugboat Willie. Heather, what have you got for me tonight in the round of Not For Your Mother? That's tug bloat. As in uh, Swollen Cadaver. Can we go Tug Bloat Willie or is that too much? That's too much. I want to see a film called Tug Bloat Willie. Let's go onto that site where we can get funds. What's it called? GoFundMe. Yes. Yeah, I want to make a film called Tug Bloat Willie. I'm sure Disney will let that name go. I'm sure they'll let us have that. Tug Bloat. I'm not on board with you. Willie. Mm-mm. I love just saying it. I've got Tourette's. Tug Bloat Willie. Stop That's it. That's funny. Tug Bloat Willie. T- ah! Heather. Yes. What have you got for me in the round of not for your mother? Tugboat Willie. <laughs> You're such a turd. <laughs> Authorities say an Albuquerque man took drastic action to escape the sounds of his neighbors who just happened to be having sex. Oh. Yeah, he set fire to his own apartment. He set fire. <laughs> The neighbours were so good. The na- <laughs> he was smoking. <laughs> Tug bloke. The stop it. I'm sorry. <laughs> the Albuquerque Journal reports that Reuben Cook told police Sunday he tried to burn anything he could think of in his apartment to run from the annoying sounds. I don't <laughs> get the... Terrible. I don't get the connection. I don't there. either. The, the neighbours are enjoying the pleasures of the physical arts. Yes. Let's go and burn all my shit. That'll yes. be great. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> a criminal complaint filed in Metropolitan Court. Quick, says, Greg, she's burning all my shit. <laughs> I've heard so, that before. <laughs> says police found minor fire, 
minor fire damage when they arrived to Cook's apartment. The complaint says... Would would minor fire damage be like a pickaxe and a lantern and a helmet? (laughs) Oh, (laughs) no, no. The complaint says the 36-year-old Cook told police he heard some people having... Um, sex upstairs. And Minor decided... fire damage is Snow White's house going up in flames. Well, the reason he did it, because he decided he wanted to go to prison to get away from the noise. I, I tell you right... I <laughs> He's tell still you... going to hear it. I tell you right <laughs> now, it's going to be worse for him in prison. <laughs> I'm telling you straight now, in Albuquerque, <laughs> if he tried to burn his house down to escape the sounds of so sex... So he could go to prison. So he could go to prison... He's in for a whole world of hurt there, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, there may be a hole in his plan. God, yeah, my. It's terrible. He might end up with bodily parts looking like the Japanese flag. Oh, no, or Swiss cheese. Cook was charged with arson. He arson? Was, yes. <laughs> he was. Re- Sounds a bit like arson. Oh, Can no, I be the no, first no. one around the table to mention the word tugbloat willy? Oh, <laughs> God, I'm going to hurt you. He was released on his own recognizance on Tuesday, and it's not known if he had an attorney. Where's Nathan? I want to know what his neighbours are doing. Does his neighbours even know? Would they even aware? Oh, look, there's a police car turned up and a fire engine. What's that all about? I can hear them next door, moving around. What's he doing back there? Do you smoke after sex? I don't know. I haven't looked. Oh, can you smell burning or is that just me? (laughs) Kim, what have you got now in the round of not for your mother? Greg's disowning us. Greg's shaking his head, look. (laughs) He turned around. Yeah. Say one in church for me tomorrow, won't you? (laughs) Giant inflatable poop display stolen from the Spanish town. They've stolen a giant Mm -hmm. inflatable Mm -hmm. poo. A giant inflatable poop meant to deter dog owners from leaving their dog's excrement in the street was stolen from the center of a Spanish town. Someone's using that as a kite. This is the UFO sightings we've had, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Look at that up there. It's a UFO in the shape of a giant inflatable Spanish poo. Yes. (laughs) Don't hear that often, do you, on Secure Team 10? Oh... The Torelladones Town Hall shared a Facebook post stating that the giant inflatable poop that was located near the town hall area had been stolen. The awareness campaign launched by the city of Torelladones in order to ensure that the neighbors pick up dog excrement has reached its greatest success when, last weekend, the inflatable that represented a giant poop had been cleaned up, they wrote. Several poo sculptures were placed in multiple locations. Poo sculptures? <laughs> Look, I've made a Tyrannosaurus Rex out of dog poo. Look, if we bake it in the oven, we can keep it. That's your Christmas box sorted. Didn't you do that yesterday? That is true, yes. I'm going to Trying touch to get you. a jump on it. Don't touch me with your poo fingers. Those kids have never been happier since we found that giant, strange, bouncy castle. If you glaze it, you can put food in it. Magic. (laughs) Uh, They were placed in and around the town with signs encouraging residents to clean up their pets' excrement and promote the campaign by sharing pictures of themselves with the poop. Look, I've made a stegosaurus. You did that yesterday too, right? (laughs) I know. The difficult part is getting the spines on the back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I could make Selfie that as with my poo. Selfie with my poo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to need a stick. I'm going to poke it with a stick. It's going to fly off a stick. I, I've got a car that flies off a stick. No, we'll edit all that out. <laughs> <laughs> what? The town officials said that they will not allow the theft to deter the continuation of the campaign. Or pooing. And plan to replace the inflatable poop. Police are looking into it. 
<laughs> That's Despite shocking. this disappearance, we will restart the campaign next week once the company that designed the inflatable provides a new one. Because there's plenty more feces in the sea. Heather, bring to a conclusion the round of Not For Your Mother. I think this might be one of my favorite stories. Ever, of all time. Well, maybe, we'll see. Okay. A U.S. prison inmate. Albuquerque. Is suing. Mm-hmm. Because the prison made him remove the marbles that were implanted in his penis. Marbles? Yes. That's an odd game. <laughs> what was he playing bagatelle with it? Why would you have marbles? Were mar- they cat eyes? I don't know. They'd see him coming. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> the federal appears court on Tuesday revived a lawsuit in which a West Virginia inmate accused state prison officials of invading his privacy by surgically removing marbles he had implanted in his penis. Why? Why, why would they remove them and why has he got them there? I think it's a bit like... Um, it creates ridges and... Yes. Yeah, I see where we're going. Do you see where for, we're going? For his or her pleasure. Yes, I think so. I'm now imagining those great big glass gobstopper marbles that you get, the huge ones that are the size of golf so balls. So do you implant them under the skin and it makes the ridges or like up the no i think the shaft hole up the urethra the, yeah it's up the urethra franklin is it a, i think you've got to, it's, it's like giving a horse tablet i think you've just got to poke it in the end and blow it and then it's up and you can just you that's know. disgusting i'm sorry i'm starting to think of the rumble strips on the road that's what i was thinking of so you'd know if you'd driven over it then i'm guessing oh god did, 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 did. By a 3-0 vote, the 4th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals said um, the guy's name was Adrian. Oh, no. (laughs) Of course he was. He had a squirrel with him as well, didn't he? Of course he did. And I bet his willy was really small. Yeah. Oh, yes, his name's Adrian. Yes. (laughs) Great. Thanks. Could pursue claims that officials at Huttonsville Correctional Center illegally threatened him into consenting to the June 2013 surgery or risk being segregated from the other inmates and lose his eligibility for parole. So he had to get the marbles removed. If you had a full bladder. And then you held it and held it and held it. And shoot it across the room. You could have someone's eye out, couldn't you? You could. Imagine that claim going to insurance. How did you get your eye removed? Well, I was in prison and a marble hit me. Well, Adrian had the marbles implanted in and tattoos also drawn on his penis in late 2008. And I wonder if the tattoo was a dollar bill and then it grew with interest. Oh, I see what you've done. I'm wondering what you would call the profession of the person who put the marbles there. A marble inserter, professional blower. (laughs) I was wondering if the guy I was wondering if the guy in his bunk said, Why have you got far written on your penis? And he says, No, that says Ferrari. Oh no, no, no. (laughs) There are more questions than answers. He actually had this done during the body modification craze that was hitting everyone apparently i bet he regrets it now though doesn't he i think so yeah Yeah. he said the surgery left his penis with a tingling and a numbness that's not the end of the world is it also got pain when it was touched well so almost like it was bloated but yet he's suing because that's been removed yes so hang on a second he's suing because now it hurts when it's so when he when he touches it it's bloated and it's his willy is this where we are yes (laughs) okay And he thinks this is unnatural. No, so help me if you go into the tug. No. mm -mm. Tug blue. No. Oh, God. Willie. (laughs) That went in my eye. (laughs) 
Well, he also gets pain uh, when it rains. When it rains. <laughs> He's got a barometer. Or Hang it... on a second. We're in prison. There's no windows, but there's a light southeasterly. There's precipitation at 20%. And I think it's probably about 68 degrees. Or when it snows. There's 48% humidity. Or when it gets cold. When it gets cold. I wonder if you can tell what direction the wind's coming from. Oh, but it <laughs> whistles. It whistles. Only when it's wet. Hang on a second. <laughs> oh, that's a light southwesterly. That's terrible. Is it like those clocks where if it's raining, a woman comes out with an umbrella, and if it's hot, the man comes out? I don't know. Oh, look, we're going to have a touch of warm weather. Look at that, you lucky person. Did you know that his warm front has given me a ridge of high pressure? (laughs) Oh, that's disgusting. It was there. You'd be disappointed if I didn't say it. Everyone was thinking it. Adrian. Oh, so you keep saying, yeah. Why don't you call him Mr. King? (laughs) Well, it does say King, but I have more fun saying Adrian. Said the surgery also resulted in mental and emotional anguish, saying that person officials called him the Marble Man and asked when searching him where his marbles are. (laughs) He's lost his marbles. I feel sorry for the nurse that had to suck him out. Oh, that's. Oh, one more to come. There we go. Uh, Got them all. Got to get them all. Well, Tuesday's decision restores claims that Adrian's Fourth Amendment right against illegal search and seizure (laughs) (laughs) and Eighth Amendment protection against cruel and unusual punishment. At least it's not the Third Amendment where he wants revolutionary soldiers to billet in his outhouses without his permission. billet? Billet. Set up camp. Sleep for the night. Cool. I thought it was pooing. You thought billeting was pooing? Yeah. Did you really? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to go do some billeting. I'll be back in a minute. Hang on, a marble's plot. Why is out. he taking a newspaper with? <laughs> oh, no, I've made a triceratops. Well, and the 14th Amendment guarantee of equal protection. He, they think all of those were violated. Poor Adrian. I think a lot of things were violated there, including a radio show somewhere along the line. <laughs> Just for the benefit of our listeners, because I don't think this has been brought up yet, but I just wanted to mention... That you have marbles? (laughs) (laughs) You tried it too? Tug bloat, Willie. (laughs) Oh, no! I don't need just put it there as well. What's wrong with you? Well, all good things come to an end, so let us look at tonight's scores in last place. With the K2 meter and the dead battery, it is Heather, who scored zero despite a one-point being on 15 points. In resplendent first place, the winner of the $33,000 IR camera is Kim, who started out on 10 and finished on 10. (laughs) Do not fear, listeners. Remember, we are back with a whole new bunch of stories and cheating next week at the same time. And I would love for you to join me for a fun and informative journey through the world of the paranormal, strange, intriguing, bizarre and weird. Please tell your friends and family about the show and feel free to contact me anytime via my Facebook site. More questions and answers with Adrian Lee. Or you can follow my Twitter account at Adrian underscore Lee underscore tips. And remember, we now do an extra 15 to 20 minutes of the show in a round called Not For Your Mother that can't be read out live on air for fear of being removed or getting a hefty fine. It's the stories from around the week 
that are too saucy and too innuendo-laden to read out. But if you go to soundcloud.com and type in MQTA Radio, they will all be there for you. My gratitude and greatest thanks are extended to Lorna Hunter, Heather Morris, Chaton Drainer, Kim and Greg Gore, and all of the International Paranormal Society at intparanormal.net. And all of the show's sponsors, including the Lakes Area Paranormal Interest Group and MUFON of Minnesota. It just remains for me to say thank you for listening and remember, be interested and interesting. Good night. <laughs> <laughs>